Welcome to another episode of Conversations and Connections. It's the official podcast of the Family Crisis Center of East Texas. I'm Stuart Burson, the prevention coordinator for the agency. And uh, with me today again, we got Tiffany Walsh, our campus advocate and... uh, (laughs) A little bit of everything. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I hate to throw that in there like that. Uh, uh, Remind us, I always know, Tiffany, because I work with you most as the campus advocate. Of course, you're on the prevention team uh, just as well as I am. But uh, what else? I know you see clients, but... I know, I sound really stupid right now, but tell us about what you do again, Tiffany. No, it's okay. It's really hard to keep up with what I do. Um, so I am the campus advocate for SFA. I see all the domestic violence and sexual assault clients there. Um, I also am on the prevention team with Stuart. I teach a financial support group in the safe house, and I'm also part of the sexual assault um, nurse examination team. And okay. we go out on call. Okay. I guess that's what I was trying to think. I didn't know if you were still an advocate when, because sometimes you're here working and, mm. and not on campus. And so anyway, I wanted to kind of, kind of get that cleared up. Uh, before we begin, Tiffany, I thought I had some really good news to share with everyone yesterday. I was so excited. I was going to Walmart and I noticed Canes was open in Lufkin. And if you don't know Canes, uh, it's, it's kind of a big deal in, um, in Texas. I don't know if there are another, any other states besides Texas. So I whipped in and I even put on Facebook, Canes is open. I came back here, told Tiffany, Canes is open. And Tiffany said, yeah, it's been open for about two or three weeks. But those lines are still long like it just they opened. Had poli- they had police yes. directing traffic in the drive through and I'm like, I'm not going to let that stop me. <laughs> anyway, uh, Canes does not sponsor the podcast. I not just, at all. I just, um, I just felt like chicken, I just though. was on on a high, thinking, "Hey, I'm going to tell everybody, Canes is finally open." And yeah, apparently, I just missed the boat for a while. <laughs> uh, well, today T- Tiffany's back with us because um, one of the things that you did talk about you you do the financial um, what what support do you call group. it. We just call it a financial support. The financial group. support group. So what we want to, uh, or I kind of wanted to talk about that, and um, uh, a lot of people probably don't think about when they think of domestic abuse. I don't know if I would say violence, but um, domestic abuse or whatever you want to call it. A lot of people may not think about uh, the financial part of that. Financial abuse, I guess, is is what? that what you would. Call it. Yes, uh, financial abuse. So what we see, especially in how people depict domestic violence, is it always goes back to that woman with the black eye, which I've heard you sure. describe it before, because that's yeah. what um, society still views it as. And there's a bunch of different terms that come under the umbrella of domestic violence, like sexual violence, um, physical violence, emotional violence, financial violence, emotional abuse. And so financial is just one of those different tiers of it that we do focus on. And I'd bet my money, pun intended, that financial (laughs) abuse is in every aspect of other forms of violence because money is the base root of how we function as a society. Before we really start on that, um, and I'd... (laughs) I'm going to ask this not in a condescending way, but what gives you the right? <laughs> Maybe not the right. I'm being silly. But uh, what what kind of credentials uh, do you have that you bring with you to 
do this support group? No, absolutely. And that's a really fair question. And it's actually something that I start out all of my support groups by saying, um, what gives me the authority <laughs> to be able to teach this, right? Because um, anybody can come in and teach anything. It doesn't mean that it'll be right. But um, as I did say in a previous episode that I did graduate from Texas Tech and I have a major in human development and family studies, but my minor was personal financial planning. Gotcha. So I did okay. take those cool. uh, two semesters worth of financial classes that encompassed budgeting, um, investing, insurance, and all kinds of things like that. Wow. Okay. Well, when we talk about financial abuse, what exactly do we mean? Or what do you mean when you say financial abuse? A, different, a lot of different things come to my mind, but I want you to kind of explain that. Okay, absolutely. So financial abuse is going to be any of those times whenever somebody doesn't have fair and equal access to the finances in a relationship. And I say relationship as a very vague term because it's not always a romantic couple. It can be between uh, parents and children, siblings, any form of that family dynamic, um, at least for what we cover in the agency because we're family violence. And it's, for some examples... If, say, we are in a partnership, well, me and Stuart are in a partnership, and he makes the money in the household, and maybe I stay home with the kids, which is kind of a generic, traditional, I guess, look on how families should look in some people's eyes. And um, just because he makes the money doesn't mean that I don't have a say in how that money is spent. And so... All abuse is about that power and control, and that's the same way with money. It's about somebody controlling any aspect of that money in that relationship. It can be um, a partner refusing to work and then leaving all the stress on another person to try and um, keep the family up financially, paying the bills and things like that. It can be somebody uh, stealing debit cards or credit cards from somebody else and then racking up those credit cards or spending all the money out of an account. It could be opening up credit in somebody else's name falsely. That can be in the form of abuse. So it's anything where that control is being used um, to manipulate somebody else. Mm -hmm. And money is one of the best ways to do it because it's what we need to survive. Everybody needs it, right? Yeah. If I can threaten you with, I'm going to take the money for the rent and go spend it. If you don't do this, well, I need a roof over my head. So I might say, okay, whatever you want, because I don't want to be homeless. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that, because I think a lot of times when we think of domestic violence or domestic abuse, it's not necessarily, like you said, between a couple or in a romantic relationship. It can be people, whoever's sharing a roof, I guess. Yes. And we see that definitely, you know, we get clients, you know, every the family crisis center, it definitely, we get a lot of people in couple romantic relationships, abusive situations, yeah. but we still get those clients who their abusers are their children and their elderly. Well, and now it's, that's exactly what I was going to say. Whenever, whenever you said that, it seems like I almost hear it. The, I personally hear it the most, and not necessarily through work here, of adult children taking advantage of their elderly parents. And, yes, absolutely. That, and doing you know, that. A lot of elderly get disability checks and SSI checks. And um, and it's 
we see a lot of our older clients, and this is just from personal experience, where they want to take care. They're caregivers. And so even though they're older and it's their turn to be taken care of, they're still wanting, well, of course I gave them $50 because that's my child or that's my grandchild. And it's that, you know, because all these different forms of abuse that we have emotional um, financial, they all end up little bitty pieces come together. So that's a little bit of that. Okay. You're being financially abused because you're being taken care of, but then you're also being emotionally abused because we need, um, because you're being manipulated mm-hmm. into that. Sure. So, you know, that's sure. how they all yeah. are so convoluted. Right. Right. Um, do you see a lot of people in, in these support groups where they just just don't know anything at all about managing money. I'm sure a lot of people may may know about it, but they're not given access to it. But do you ever see anyone who maybe they've been in a long term relationship and during all nearly of their adult life they've never really learned how to manage money or balance a checkbook or manage credit cards or anything like that? Absolutely. This is so. I'm a spiel person and. I, at the beginning of all of my support groups, I have the same spiel that I tell them every every week. And we talk about how people don't know how to manage their money. Yeah. And I always say that in a way of explaining to clients that I'm not here to judge them, that I'm here to explain why the support group is so important. And it's because things like managing money really aren't taught in schools. Um, if they are, they're an elective, and yeah. not everybody's choosing that one elective. And I always try to let them know that my education is a privilege that I got to go and learn how to manage money, but it's so hard to come by because in order for me to even learn what I had, I had to go pay for college. That's not the case that everybody can go and do that. Mm -hmm. And then we get into things called um, generational poverty, where we have generations who were never taught how to manage their money. So the skills that they're teaching down the um to their children their grandchildren and down the generations is poor management skills and so then it gets even harder for people to get out of it because they're not learning these skills at that young age of Mm -hmm. how do i budget i know checks are kind of out today but i still use them um how to write a check to pay bills i think Um, i use one a couple of times (laughs) a year but uh no i i get it yeah And also things like, okay, well, we see a lot of people who they'll go pay their electric bills at the grocery store. Well, those charge a fee where you could either write a check or you could pay it online with Mm -hmm. a debit card, but they're not taught those things on, and you know, you're not using a whole lot of money, but I mean, even if I'm spending $12 a month paying it at the Brookshire Brothers, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 12 times 12 yeah. is $144. It adds up. Yeah. And that's $144 a year that you literally could have saved because that's another, that's know. another electric bill. You that's another electric bill. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so they're just those, those small things that really make those differences and add up that unless you're able to get that education, which is so hard to find then you're automatically at a disadvantage. Right. Now, I'm going to assume the the group that you facilitate, that's voluntary, right? Do the residents, are they required to attend the group? Or? No, absolutely not. I walk, um, knock on everybody's door. I try to be as friendly as possible. <laughs> People be like, come come to my support group. Well, and, and, and how is that received? Do you, I mean, is it well attended every week? We have 
for the most part, a pretty decent turnout. Um, I've definitely had days where I've gone back there and I'm like, you know, we're going to try a different day of the week. The mood might not be right. Yeah. Um, but whenever people come, we have some of the most positive reactions and um, we get surveys from them at the end of it just to kind of give us an idea of what we could do different. And some of them have been, I'm so thankful for this class because I learned how to budget today and I learned about credit cards today and I've never learned that before. Sure. And those are super exciting. And then of course, occasionally we do bingo, which is always a hit. <laughs> well, you got to make it fun. Yes, absolutely. You know. We don't want it to be a lecture every time. Right, right. Sure. Awesome. Well, what do you discuss? Like, okay, you have your group together, and I know there's probably a different topic every every time, but can you just kind of give me an example of uh, what do you discuss in the, in these groups? No, absolutely. So we do have a um, a cri- I don't not criteria is not the right word um, a syllabus per se is what I have whenever I'm teaching it. So we always start with budgeting, and we go over. I find budgeting sheets on the internet and I use that to show them that it's that easy to look up. You can pull one off the internet. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be perfect, but it's workable for anybody. And then we'll, from there we'll talk about what are wants and needs and what are financial goals. And this might seem like a really um, basic, simple thing to do. And I always have to tell people, I'm not trying to offend you if you already know what a want and a need is. I just want everybody to be on the same sure. page. Yeah. But it's really important whenever we have clients who really are on the ground level and they're trying to work their way up, like we're working from the bottom um, to the top and the baseline of being financially secure and independent is knowing where you're spending your money, what's going in, what's going out. But on top of that, it's what am I spending my money on? Where do I fault? Because we all fault. I tell my group every week, I am a foodie and I love to go out to lunch. And I can't go out to lunch every day because then I'd have no money. And so that would be what's a want versus a need. Okay, well, it's a want for Tiffany to go to lunch every day (laughs) um, and go eat out with coworkers. But I only need food to keep my energy up. So I don't need, I can have food from home. I don't need out to eat food. So those are some of the things that we talk about is... That first lesson, it's always, what is that basic budgeting? What does that look like? And then from there, we're growing. And we're talking about um, grocery skills and how to properly shop at a grocery store and what to look out for and where to save money and um, where do marketing people position food. See, that's fascinating. I mean, and I struggle with that, you know, because, you, you know, you think, okay, is... I don't know. Is, is Green Giant is is high top going to be is just as good as Green Giant? You know, and a lot yeah, of time, and I'm sure with different difference in prices. You also got to look at well, how much you're getting. Is this can yes. bigger than this one? You know, and and it's one of those things where we always and I'm extremely transparent with people, and I always say where I have things a little bit easier. So I don't have children, so I don't have the struggles of going into a grocery store with children, and I always acknowledge that, right? Um, because those are going to be a whole different mm-hmm. ball game. Sure. Um, and so that takes a lot more patience for those with kids. But there's a lot of whenever you don't have anything and you're really trying to save that dollar, something as simple as grocery shopping is really, really important um, because you do have 
marketing people know what they're doing. They put the expensive brand items at your average eye level. So I'd say five foot three to maybe six foot, those two centers in the middle, because that's where people are looking first. So you're going to have to look higher and lower to find the cheaper ones. And if you're not actively paying attention to that, then you might just grab the first thing that you see and you're spending a couple of extra dollars. And while that might not seem that big of a deal to somebody who's pretty financially stable, that's the difference between making it to not making it at the end of the month for somebody who is struggling to get back on their feet. Right. Well, something I found out is that fruit whirls are just as good as fruit loops. I love offering cereal. I'm just, just saying. I don't know. No, but I get it. You know, that's um, that's something that, you know, you, you got to think about. Uh, you know, and like, again, I struggle with the, with the off-brand, the store or the store brand versus the name brand. You know, what's, is it going to be just as good? And, and for the most part, I, I don't know. I, I think it is, but that, this isn't. We're, we're not grocery talking. Yeah, today. we're not. Okay, so, oh, well, what made you decide to to start the support group? What what prompted you to think about doing that here? So this is actually gonna go way back when. I'm not gonna lie, um, and it, it promise what I'm about to say ties into what started the support group. But back before I even went to college, I thought about okay, where did I want to work and what could I do. And that prompted me to, A, get my degree. If you want to work at the Family Christ Center, human science is probably a good route to go. But I also was like, it'd be really cool to, if I get a job there one day, which is my goal, to introduce a support group. Because yeah. I like money. That's something that comes easy to me. And so I got my major and my minor based on what I thought the agency would like. Um, so you, wait, wait. So you thought of your degree based on the needs of the Family Crisis Center? Yes. Wow. Yes, I, I okay. graduated. I'm from uh, East Texas, okay. more or less. Um, yeah. And so I knew of the Crisis Center back when I was in high school, and <laughs> that's, I was that's that's great. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't think I ever heard you tell that before. Okay. Um, I didn't mention that in my interview because I didn't want them to think I was lying. But, uh, so that came up a little bit later. They didn't know about my minor when I was hired, mm-hmm. I don't think. And um, we were, gosh, I think we were at a, a conference back when we were allowed to go to those. And I had was talking to my boss about it. And I was like, yeah, I've got this minor um, that I really love to, um, that I'm really interested in, you know, the finances stuff. And she's like, we need a support group. And I was like, well, you know, that actually like way back when was kind of my goal when coming here yeah. or trying to get a job here. Um, very futuristic thinking. And, you know, it's, I was like, people need it because I was very fortunate to have a parent who worked in a bank. So money, we mm-hmm. were taught that pretty well. Um, but I just knew of a lot of other people in my personal life who couldn't, balance money to save their life and they were just never taught I was like I feel like that just comes so hand in hand with um, domestic violence and then poverty on top of that and things like that and it was it's just something that I've always been super passionate about and I knew that we didn't have something quite like a financial support group here and it was like there's my opportunity and so I got the go ahead that night um out in Austin at like 6 p.m. And so started it first thing Monday morning, and we had it uh, cranked out the next week. We had our first support group. Awesome. Do you use a, do you use a particular curriculum, or is this just stuff that you come up with? So originally when I started it back in, I want to say late September, early October 2019, 
Um, so we just celebrated our year of the support group. Yay. <laughs> um, we didn't have to follow any specific curriculum. The all-state curriculum, um, which is called Purple Purse, um, had been uh, given to the agency back in maybe 2014. So I had that, but I was using all of my books that I got from college. Those were finally coming uh, okay. in handy. I've used so them you kept, more. So you kept the textbooks. <laughs> yes, those were com- I used them more working here than I did when I was in those classes. And so I was uh, using those textbooks, gathering all of my information to site check myself to make yeah. sure I had sources. Um, and then in, I believe it was February or March, you might correct me if I'm wrong, we got a grant um, that actually encompassed the financial support group. It got written into the grant. Um, and with that came a different curriculum, which was actually the Allstate Purple Purse, so one that we had already seen previously. That one was the curriculum that we were given. So now what I do is I pull a little bit of both. I use the Purple Purse curriculum, which is a domestic violence. Um, I was going to ask you because of the yeah. name. You know, purple is... If you don't know, purple is the official color of domestic, of violence. domestic violence. So I was wondering if that was int- if that's what that meant. Purple purse. Yeah. It's for DV survivors. It, it's really okay. So it's interesting to somebody who geeks out on financial stuff, right? It's probably <laughs> it'll probably put anybody else to sleep at night. <laughs> but it is really interesting. It's supposed to be very victim forward and domestic violence savvy on things that everybody's going to go through. So I have read through it. And I pick and choose what I think our clients, mm-hmm. it's going to be useful to them because not everything is going to be useful to our clients. And we have to be very knowledgeable of our, of who we're working with yeah, and what's sure. going to be helpful. So I pull a little bit of both now. I pull from my textbooks and things that I feel with my experience they're going to receive best. And then I pull from our curriculum that our grant um, has us under that way a, we can fulfill our grant, but B, because it's very good and very useful information. Okay. Is it all, do you do you ever bring in anyone from outside the agency as a guest speaker or presenter or anything, or is it just all Tiffany? So that is something that we were wanting to do pre-COVID was, um, especially around tax season. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, Sure. Definitely. Goodwill, if I'm not mistaken, they have a program for um, filing taxes and also just helping people get jobs and things like that. So at one point, it was the talk of being able to get somebody there to come in. And there was also an organization at SFA that I had uh, met somebody. And we're talking like the week before campus got shut down back in March. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I have this group. Would you like to come talk to us? Like, I can see if I can put it together. And then everything got shut down. Yeah. And so we're slowly working on rebuilding that. But it's definitely not anything we've had yet. But we're open to in the future. Because I think it's always great to have outside entities come in and bring their expertise in. Yeah. So you've been doing this now for almost a year. So you've already been through one holiday season. It's November. We're getting close to to Christmas time. Do you see a change in the clients as far as uh, stress about money, nervousness about money? Do you do anything special talking about holiday buying, let's say, or, or anything like that? So the holidays, 
the holidays are just stressful all the way around, but especially money-wise because everybody is worried about um, providing for their families. Yeah. And um, we do we are able to help out in the safe house just from what the agency can do to help alleviate some of that stress. But that stress is still out there for all of our outreach clients. Um, with trying to make it through the Christmas holiday because it puts people behind. And that's something that we will talk about. We'll have a little lesson about how um, understanding that we want to provide for our families and try to give them things that they want, especially with kids, because we see that, you know, they grow up with other kids and different kids have different lifestyles right. where they receive sure. different things. But it's also important um, for parents not to... And I'm going to say parents because I feel like we're kind of leaning towards Christmas parent-kid mm-hmm. relationships. So yeah. that's what yeah. where we're, I'm going to go with it. Um, it's I always just try to encourage, don't put yourself in so much of a bind that you're struggling to make rent and things like that after the New Year's. And from there, we'll kind of do a futuristic lesson. And what I mean by that is... Whenever it comes to November and our clients are rotating so quickly that we're not able to get them back in January to plan for December, um, especially in the safe house because there's just that rotation. So I'll try to talk about, okay, well, let's plan for the future then. What can we do now um, to be more ready for the next holiday season? Mm -hmm. And one of those topics is actually income tax time, which we spend a lot of time on. and anytime we'll just go over if you ever get a lump sum of money what could you do when you have that lump sum of money then to make your life easier throughout the year and that includes the holidays and christmas yeah. right go ahead and start um buying small things slowly or plan for it because the reality of it is is if you're not able to afford your day to, your monthly life the lo- other 11 months out of the year then christmas month December um that's also going to be a really big struggle and it's that war within a lot of parents of am I going to is it the happiness and joy on my kids' faces or is it a roof over our head which are some of those really unfortunate things um the good thing is is that the crisis center is able to help out with those with our clients and right um offer Christmas assistance so that's a lot of that but as far as the financial support group aspect of it i guess we try to just teach skills throughout the year to where by the time it came december that they would have somewhat of a savings or Mm -hmm. even if they didn't they at least knew where the resources were to help with that burden so that they weren't putting themselves in a really bad situation in january and february yeah yeah okay um all right anything else we need to touch on before we wrap things up are we good um, I Anything think, else? yeah, I think yeah. we covered a lot of but it. But there's one thing I forgot to mention when we first started, that Tiffany is also the reigning two-year-in-a-row <laughs> Family Crisis Center <laughs> of East Texas Halloween Employee Halloween Costume Contest Champion. Oh, goodness, I'm giggling. Yes, I, I am. Yeah, yeah. So Tiffany barely edged me out last year because I got second because she cheated and she used a live animal <laughs> I okay in her costume. I have a pug. I have a white pug. <laughs> um, and his name is Gup, which is pug backwards. I'm hoping he'll be famous now. 
and we went as Men in Black. And, and, it, and it was perfect. It, it, it was good. But you came in with your dog. And I'm like, okay. I did. So this year, I knew that I had to step it up because I, I had to prove myself, right? Because of last year. So I did come up. Um, my name is Tiffany. I did breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, Audrey Hepburn. You did, the, you did the Audrey Hepburn look proud you you, pu- you you pulled it off i i will tell you that before you even could tell before you even said who you were when i saw you down the hallway i knew i i knew i knew what you were doing i, I knew who you were and i'm like that's great thank you it it did give me um first place second year in a row i am overly proud about that all right. So I do appreciate the recognition, sir. I really <laughs> well, do. Sure. I, well, I, I figured I had to um, give you a shout out uh, in, in regards in regards to that. So, Tiffany, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This won't be the the last time we hear from Tiffany. Tiffany's going to be back. We're already talking about future uh, topics for the podcast that uh, not only Tiffany and I, but other people in the agency and in the prevention team that we're going to do. Uh, so thanks. Thank you for having me. I always yeah. love being on here. All right. And, uh, if you have any questions or comments about what we've discussed today, uh, you can email us. Um, our email address is conversations and connections at fccet.com. And also if you feel like you need our agency services, uh, for whatever reason, we do have a 24 hour a day, seven day a week hotline. That number is 1-800-828-7233. That's 1-800-828-7233. And remember, as always, be the voice, if not for you, for someone else.